Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. I want to begin to talk about 2024. Now, uh, it's interesting at the beginning of the year, and I don't know if I'm unique or, or if I'm just, you know, other people don't see these things, but the first of the year... My inbox, my social media uh, pages are inundated with people trying to sell me things, particularly around like weight loss. No idea why, you know, you know, there's health things in there about aging. You know, there's, you know, ways to prosper, you know, my 12 secrets for a better financial 2024. And again, because I'm a pastor and I, and I, I, I tie into some spiritual sites, I get a number of, you know, prophetic words that people send me or that, that, that I get about what 2024 is going to look like. And I, I was thinking about, you know, sharing with you today and what all this means. And I was reminded of a friend of mine, and uh, I used to run a lot back up until I was about 50, but we were in our mid-40s, and we were on a, a, we had a Saturday morning running group, and I was running with him. We're about two miles out on a five-mile run, and he, he kind of looked at me. He said, Pastor, can I ask you something while we jog along? I said, sure. He goes, I'm really confused. And I said, well, what are you confused about? He said, you know, I really love the prophetic. And I said, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Don't have a problem with that. He goes, yeah, but two of my favorite prophets, and he, he named them, you know, they're both talking about this next year. And one of them says it's going to be this. And the other one says it's 180 degrees opposite. And I, he goes, I don't know what to do. And I don't know what it means. And I said, well, I'll tell you what it means. It means that at least one of them is wrong. <laughs> Okay. I said, I don't know which one, but, but, but one, at least one of them is wrong. And I said, so what I think you need to do is pull back and, and let's just take a look at the foundations. Because it doesn't matter if we're talking diet, doesn't matter if we're talking finances, doesn't matter if we're talking relationships, doesn't matter if we're talking spiritual things. If the foundation isn't right, the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. And the problem is we don't want to deal with the foundation. Because it's hard, and nobody sees it anyway until the house falls over, okay? But I want to make a statement. It's on the big screen. You don't have to get into speculative theology, radical diets and exercise plans, and high-risk investments to follow the Holy Spirit, be healthy and prosperous, be healthy and prosperous. Because the Word is full of enough simple and explicit teachings from Jesus, the prophets, and the apostles that if we embrace them, I'm pretty sure we're going to be fine. Now, that's not a very cool prophetic word for 2024, (laughs) but I believe it. I believe it. And and I can say with 100% confidence, 100% confidence, that in, nine, in 2020, 19, wow, in 2024, it's God's desire to see all of us grow. 2024 is a year to grow. Our Heavenly Father loves us, and he wants to see us grow in every way, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, relationally, and financially. But for that to happen, you got to deal with the foundation. And if you want to deal with the foundation, it means that There are some things that we got to leave behind in 2023. Kind of talked about that last week. But just like we have to leave some things behind, there are things that we need to embrace. 
that we need to, to graft ourselves into. And it, it's kind of like getting married, okay? If you want to have a successful marriage, one of the first things you have to realize is you got to leave and cleave, okay? There's things that when you're a single person, you get to live one way. You're a married person, you get to live a different way, right? Can I get an amen out there? You know, if you're trying to live like a single person and you're married, it ain't going to work. No amens in this house. I mean, come on. Uh, and so in 2024, if we want to grow, we are all going to have to leave and cleave. And last week was all about leaving. This week is all about cleaving. So what are some things that we need to embrace as followers of Christ, whether we're watching online or in person today? Again, we're talking foundations. What are some things we need to embrace so that we can grow and, and be transformed and become who God wants us to be? Well, there's four of them I want to share, and I've, I've taken the acrostic with the letters of the word grow, G-R-O-W. We're going we're gonna to use all four of those letters. And the very first one is this. For G, you got to gain a deeper knowledge and revelation about God, ourselves, and others. you got to know something about God, more than you know now. And there's a lot for you to learn about God. I mean, my sons and I were talking the other day about, you know, the God who created the infinite universe. And how does that work? And none of us, you know, the smartest physicists in the world don't know that. You know, it's, it's, he's that incomprehensible. But he does want to reveal more of himself to us. And you think about the consequences of not understanding God. Well, the very first place you see this in the Bible is with Adam and Eve. And it said after Adam and Eve sinned, it says that, you know, that they hid from God. And he replied, and he said, I heard you walking in the garden. This is Adam talking. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. They didn't understand God's grace. Now, they had sinned, right? They'd messed up. They'd eaten of the forbidden fruit. But rather than coming to God and confessing and repenting and saying, help us, O Lord, they hid from God. And there was consequences to that, to this misunderstanding of how the Lord saw the whole situation. And, and when you compare that to what John encouraged the early Christians, who said, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. It's a far cry from hiding with a fig leaf, right? Seriously, God is good with us because God made us good with us. And so the question then becomes, as we're looking at our lives and saying, okay, you know, do I really know God? How do you arrive at the answer to that question? Well, go with me, if you would, to, to 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. It says, we can be sure that we know him, meaning God, if we obey his commandments. And if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, uh, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. Mainly, they're lying to themselves. Uh, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And that is how we know we are not living, that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's a pretty simple test, right? 
We read about Christ in the Gospels, we compare his life to ours, and then we realize where there's a gap, there's a gap in our revelation of God. The more we know about God, the closer we come to emulating Jesus, okay? It's there, and and it's, it's a frustration that all of us will encounter no matter how far along we go. I mean, Paul wrote this to the Roman church in Romans 7. He said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Again, that's Paul, who had a pretty amazing encounter with God, right? The whole Damascus Road epiphany. And, and he hung out with the other apostles, and he hung out with people that had personally talked to Jesus and, and you know, had been a part of his sermons. And so, you know, he had an incredible awareness of God. He'd studied the scriptures. He was, you know, extremely literate. And yet he found himself in this duplicity that I, I say that I know God, but, but I, I guess I don't really know God because there's a gap in my life. So how do we, how do we fix the gap? How do, we, how do we strengthen that foundation, that revelation of God? It, it says that, that Jesus, and again, this is in Matthews, excuse me, and this is in uh, Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. You know who understands you? Jesus. You may not understand you. Paul may not understand himself, but Jesus understood Paul. And so he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. If I want to grow in God, if I want to grow in my knowledge of him, I have got to acknowledge when I fall short of emulating Christ. And then instead of hiding from God, go to God and say, hey, look, man, I don't know why I keep doing this. Can you show me? Can you help me understand me? You know, he's the best therapist you'll ever find <laughs> because he truly does get what are the issues in you that pull you in a certain direction. And then you have the, the reality is that, it, that if we can't love others, there really is something that we don't understand about God, that we don't understand about us, and we don't understand about them. Uh, you know, Peter uh, said this. He said, you remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. You ever wondered why there's so many people so far from God and why Jesus hasn't come back yet? Because God's patience gives them time. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom of God that God gave him. And then you have this, this passage from Matthew that is Christ talking. And it's in chapter 9. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed all kinds of every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. That's the way the lost are. They are confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They're being ravaged by the enemy. The enemy is just eating their lunch, and they don't even know it. And they have no hope because they have no shepherd. Who's going to defend them? Who's going to come to their aid? He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. We live in an increasingly broken culture where people are just deceived. There's not another word for it. And you watch what they're doing, and you're just like, can you really do that? What's, what is, why would you do that? Because they're helpless and confused and have no shepherd. So there's no one to stand in the gap to protect them. What do we do? Somebody, somebody begin to, to serve them, even though they are just mean-spirited at times. Christ looked upon this this mass of humanity when he was being crucified, and he says, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. And that's the heart we have to have towards the lost in 2024. If we're going to make an impact, if we're going to be influential, and it's hard because it's not the heart that I have, and I look at myself and I say, I fall short. Can you show me why there's a gap between how you lived and how I lived? You got to gain, gee, if you want to grow, you got to gain in your revelation and your understanding of God, yourself, and others, and so do I. Which takes us to R, the R and grow. This is simple. You knew this would happen. You need to read and study more of the word, including the lives of the apostles. We need more of the Bible. We do. Well, many of us are familiar with 2 Timothy 3.16, but, but I want to read it to you in context this is Paul again writing. He says, you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which have happened to me at Antioch, at Lyconum, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And this is the verse that we all, many of us, I should say, know, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. We want to be transformed. We want to grow. We want to be healthier. We want to be less broke and less angry and less depressed and less frustrated and less isolated and less ineffective. We want to see 2024 really be a transformational year in us and through us. But we can't do that unless we read and study more of the Word and study the lives of the apostles. We, we need to read the Word as it is written. That's something else I want to tell you. There has been a sort of a, a trend over the last few decades. And again, I don't think it's all bad, but, but what happens is rather than reading the Bible, we snack on scriptures, okay? What we do is we find a verse we like, and it's, it's like, you just take it out and you, you eat it. And you go, that's good. I like that. And these are baked though. Give me the fried ones, man. I like the fried ones a lot better. <laughs> Somebody said, we have healthy snacks. I said, why? You know, <laughs> right. why do we have healthy snacks? I'm, I'm snacking. I don't want health. But, but the reality is that if you try to live on this stuff, it's going to kill you. 
them. I know it's going to spit out of your mouth if you're not careful. But instead of snacking on scriptures, we need complete meals. Let me give you just an example. Now, we sang a great song this morning. I love the song about God. God is for us. God is good. How many of you know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? Yeah, it's, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Well done. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I've signed that on cards. I've encouraged people with it. It's a great verse. Isn't it a great verse? But, <laughs> but, oh, don't get mad at me. If, if all we do is, is snack on it, we dilute it of its power. But if we read it in context, it brings an even greater revelation that has more power to sustain us in difficult times. So if you read that passage in context, you go back to verse 4 of 29. But this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. This is not some chump talking to you. This is the man. The man is talking to you. He's not worried about anybody. To all the captives, he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Okay? I'm talking to everybody, not just one or two. Build homes and plan to stay. I didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to hear that. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply! Exclamation point. Do not dwindle away. Another exclamation point. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Don't listen to their dreams, because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. Slightly different than the other, right? But incredibly more powerful, in my opinion, because it's saying that if they will trust and obey God, he will prosper them where they are, even though it's not where they want to be. Have you ever found yourself stuck in a place that you didn't want to be? Come on now. You ever been in a job, but oh, I'd like to quit this job, but I can't quit this job. I don't like that. I, 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 I'm stuck here. There are times in life we find ourselves stuck in places. And what, what this says is, you know, if you're stuck there and you don't see a way out, I can prosper you there, but you've got to follow my teachings. You've got to do it the way I tell you to do it. You've got to begin to, to work sometimes for your boss's prosperity, even though he's a thug. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I'd love to tell you I'm making this up, but, but we have such a, a naive view of, of what the word says sometimes. We eat a chip and say, well, God wants everything good. He does. If we follow his ways, if we listen to him, if we trust him, if we, if we sometimes say yes when we don't understand, 
Well, how come we got to stay here 70 years? I don't want to stay here 70 years. I don't want to stay here at all. We didn't even want to leave. This is awful. And yet, it's what the Lord had for them. And he didn't have bad things for them. He had good things for them. Prosper, thrive, multiply, do not diminish, increase, be blessed. And then I'll bring you back and bless you even more. Powerful, incredible, but you got to eat the whole meal to get that, okay? And so, gee, we grow, we gain, we understand God more, we understand ourselves more, we figure out why we do crazy stuff because God reveals it to us. Anybody ever have God show you why you do crazy stuff? I have. Then R, we rededicate ourselves to reading and studying, not just little scripture moments, but, but really reading the Bible the way it was written so that we can get a full revelation of the meal that God has for us to bless us and lead us. And oh, oh, I hate this one. <laughs> we organize our lives. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Boy, that's a painful thing. <laughs> I, it is impossible to really, I'm going to say this. If you don't deal with the foundation in your life, whether it's your health foundation, your, your, your spiritual foundation, your relational foundation, your financial foundation, if you can't have basic disciplines in these areas, it doesn't matter what all the other things you embrace are because it just will fritter away and fail. You got to get organized. And it's not an accident that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because if you can't control how you spend your money, you got a problem whether you make $10,000 a month or $100,000 a month. Okay? It's just that's the way it is. If, if you can't control your tongue, and we'll talk more about that in coming weeks, you're going to say something stupid that's going to undermine all the good things you do. I mean, there's, there's a limit to how many times I'm sorry will carry you. Eventually, they want to see you repent in relationships and stop being a jerk. I'm like, come on, amen. It's all right. These are foundational things. And, 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 and so you, you look at our lives and we say, God, where am I dysfunctional? Where am I out of control? You guys know John Maxwell? John Maxwell is a wonderful former pastor, a wonderful leadership coach. And I'm, I, we had him once at the old church, at the old building, and we were talking in the green room, and he goes, you know, man, I'm so disciplined in this, and I'm disciplined in that, and I'm disciplined in that, but man, I cannot say no to potato chips, and I can't say no, and I can't eat, and he kind of told me about, about nutrition, he said, I, that's why I'm 30, 40 pounds overweight. I, I have incredible disciplines in all these areas, but I don't understand why I have no discipline in this area, because it frustrates me, Okay. And he says, I'll never be healthy until I get discipline in that area, right? Okay, that's, that's just the truth. And, and, and yet, you, you can't, you know, radical things don't work. They never have. And, and that's why if you read like Luke 16.10, just as Christ, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you will be Dis, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? There's a thing for you, man. Little things always lead to big things, both for good and bad. 
It's how you take care of the little things that matters. And if we're honest with ourselves, none of us really have a good excuse for being disorganized because God says he will help us get organized. And if we want to grow in 2024, we're going to have to have more self-control than we had in 2023. And it's incremental. It's not a magic wand and suddenly you become this superstar. It's, it's little upon little. That's why books like Atomic Habits are so incredibly powerful. And so that's, that's the G, that's the R, that's the O, and now we get to the W. Worship with a renewed passion. I was uh, looking through Psalms this last couple of weeks, and, and Psalm 96 is, is, you know, just the first, like, six, seven verses. It says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Man, publish his glorious deeds among the nations. By the way, there's free books for anybody out on a table out there, by the way, from guests at the Maryland and Sarah program. Tell everyone about his amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The, the gods of other nations are mere idols. But the Lord made the heavens. And honor and, and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill the sanctuary. Then he just goes on and on and on. And you go from Psalm 96 to Psalm 97. It's you know, David and the other psalmist just pouring out their praise. And, and the question then becomes if... if if this is so critical to the, the prophets, why don't Christians praise? Why don't we worship? What is it about us? And, and, and you know, it, you know I, I love, there's a pastor in the South called Corky Calhoun. I like him only for his name but, but, and other things. But Pastor Corky said this, if we can't be passionate about God and exuberant in worship in church, when and where else in the world will, we, will it ever happen? I mean, it's like, man, I, you know, I don't, it's, what, what would God have to do to get you excited about him? That was just a simple question. I mean, well, yeah, I don't, you know, he hadn't done much for me. I'm like, okay, I don't think that's true. I really don't. I think if we're, if we really will take off the blinders and the deception of the enemy and begin to look at, at God and say, hey, God, what, what you doing? It's some good stuff. It's some stuff that we can brag about. It's some stuff that we can get excited about. I mean, it's, 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 worship is one of those things. Now, I admit, worship is a very personal thing. Uh, different styles, different methodologies. I mean, if, if you're like me, you know, all the good worship music was written in the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> Sorry, Bree, where are you? Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's got their favorites, right? And, and the favorites were always what you listened to when you were Bree's age. I mean, that's just the way humanity works. And, and that's all right. But, but for the first time in human history, we have access to worship of every genre, every season, every decade on a cell phone by tapping into something called YouTube or Pandora or Spotify. On my Pandora, I have channels like Contemporary Christian Worship. And I got bluegrass worship. <laughs> I got gospel worship. I got, I got urban worship. I got all kinds of channels. And depending on the mood, I man, I plug that one in. And I can sit there and listen. And we all can do that. And, and again, I want us to worship corporately. But, but I was with a guy, again, on the pickleball courts. <laughs> 
And we were talking, and he's, he's at a church, and he, I, you know, I don't know him that well. And it's a good church. He goes, oh, I love it. I don't, I don't like to worship. I don't like to worship. I don't even come out to you. I don't want to. I, I love the word. I love the word. I said, okay, you don't like to worship. So what, what, what kind of worship do you like? And he goes, well, I kind of like this. And I said, oh, do you listen to that on your, on your, you know, your cell phone? Oh, no, I never listened to that. And I went, well, you said you like it. Well, yeah, but they need to give it to me, you know, there. And I went, that's awful dang selfish. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I wanted to. And I just want to say, man, dude, they're, they're trying to do the best. I mean, I, you know, again, I don't know his church. I don't know his pastor. It sounds like it's a good place. But I'm like, dude, I know they're trying to do the best they can. And uh, you, you, why don't you help them out a little bit, brother? Why don't, you, why don't you get fed up a little bit as you're driving to and from? Why don't you there, find some things that you can plug in and play instead of asking everybody else to, to, to bring it to you on a silver platter? <laughs> now, I may be a bit sensitive as a pastor. I don't know. But, but that's the reaction I had. And I thought, you know something, dude? You're going to be stuck where you are unless you figure out how to become a worshiper. And it's not other people's fault if you can't worship. It's not. It's not other people's fault if you're not organized. I mean, I, I was talking with somebody just a few weeks ago. They said, the devil's really been attacking me, and he has. But it didn't take much to trip them up because they're so disorganized. And I'm just being honest. It's like, dude, you, you need a little more self-control, and the devil would find you a harder hill to climb. And reading the word, my gosh. How many of you have at least two Bibles on your phones? They're free now, you know? I got more than that. I think I have 10 or something. I, I, I'm going to say something, and I don't mean this cruel, but we, I was with a group of pastors, and we were all talking about homeless and what to do. And one of the big challenges with helping the homeless is that, that hunger is a real. There's people who are hungry in Denver. However, there's no shortage of food. There's not. And there's only two reasons why somebody is going hungry in Denver. Either they're unable to get to a food bank to, to get it because there's food banks all over the city, or they're unwilling to get to a food bank to get it. And so how do we fix the hunger problem in Denver if there's not a shortage of food? I mean, there's a group of shut-ins and things we need to kind of talk about transportation. But I, you know, am I supposed to you know, put it in Uber and send it to your house? I mean, that's, that's sometimes with the Word of God, I think we're at. It's the same thing. It's like, man, I, I just, I, you know, I don't, well, I need, I, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know where I'm going to find time. And I'm like, kidding me? This is the, this is the bread of life. This is, this is the stuff that will actually do something. You know, you don't need a magic diet pill or, a, you know, a, a crazy investment plan or, or, you know, some prophetic word out of the ether that will come forth and show you the enlightenment. Man, get in the word of God and build a foundation and then get a word from God and then you can compare it to the word and go, hey, that makes sense because it's in alignment here. I'm going to do that. Okay. And, and grow in your understanding of God's grace and his mercy and his love and of your own issues. Man, why don't I do that stuff? Oh, wow. I, I, one time, man, God just smacked me up the side of the head a few years ago. And he said, because you're, you're afraid. Wait a minute, I'm afraid. No, I'm not afraid. I'm not a coward. No, you're afraid, Reese, and that's why this makes you nervous. And I was like, wow. Never seen that. I was, there was a person that was in my life a few years ago, not, you know, just somebody I had to deal with for business, and I just didn't like him. I just didn't like him. Have you ever had that? 
You're supposed to love them and you say, oh, Jesus, I'm going to be polite to you, but man, I really cannot wait to get away from you. And the Lord showed me why. And it was about me. It was about me. And I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's not their problem, is it? <laughs> that's my problem. Man, I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to be more like Christ. So, Father, help me to embrace truths. Help us online and in person. Help us to embrace, embrace the, the foundational truths that will help us to grow. Help us to, to leave the things of the past because they're not doing anything for us except maybe make us feel better for a moment. Help us to have the courage to end what we need to end and to start what we need to start. Help us not be afraid because we know you and we trust you. And Lord, we know the plans that you have for us are good and wonderful. And maybe they're not what we want. Maybe it's not how we want it to happen, but they're your plans and your ways work. Your ways work, Father. I pray this for myself. I pray this for us. I pray this for anyone listening to this message, whenever they listen to it. Because we want to prosper and thrive. And that's what you want to. You know, as, as we're ending this message and ending this sermon, I just want to extend an invitation to anyone online or in person that if your relationship with Jesus is not, is not what it should be, maybe you've never actually admitted to, you know, I need to confess my sins. I, I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong. And I just want to be forgiven. Maybe you've never said, God, would you forgive me for this, for abandoning my family, for stealing that money, for lying about this, for causing this person hurt, for being selfish, whatever. The Bible says if you're faithful to confess your sins, he'll be faithful to forgive you. So I invite you to confess quietly where you're at, just with God and say, God, you know me, this is what I've done. Forgive me. But please don't stop there. Please don't stop there. God has so much more for you than just forgiveness. He has new life. And if you're listening to me, either live in person or, or online, and you want to see your life change, then take the next step. Don't just confess your sins, but change and say, Lord, I want to I wanna become a fully committed follower of you. Even if you don't know how to do that, we'll help. We will help. It's called discipleship. If you're a young man or a young woman, we'll get you connected with Pastor Lex and, and, and his young adults group. If you're a man of any age, we'll, we'll get you connected to Tom Keene and, and to, to you know, Dr. Ken and, and all of the men of our men's discipleship. If you're a lady, we'll get you connected with Frida and all the other incredible young women and, and older women we have that just, they, 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 they want to help people. They don't want to judge people. They don't want to condemn people. They want, they want to help you. We'll get you connected to a Bible study. We'll get you connected to, to something. We'll get you into community because the odds of you changing on your own are really low. But if you'll get into a relationship with, with a supportive, non-judgmental, word-based church, and we are one of those, 
I know God can do incredible things. And you'll look back 12 months from now and say, the best decision I ever made was to give my life to Christ. And the second best decision I made was to get connected at Encounter Church. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. And that's how I want to end this message. You are loved very much. And I'm excited by this series that we're getting into. And it'll all, it won't all be such heavy revies. I'm going to have some fun as we go forward. But uh, don't just snack on the chips. Sit down, full for a meal. Sit down for a full meal sometime. Go with God. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.